Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ Englert. Let's go. What's up, fam? Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. I'm your host, JJ from Industry Jump. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Loftus. How we doing, baby? How we doing? How we doing? How was your week, Kyle? Uh, it's been killer, man. Crazy busy in the best way. So uh, excited to get on this uh, get on this episode here and talk about uh, client success. Awesome. Yeah, this is going to be another doozy of an episode. In our previous episodes, we covered topics like making money as a videographer, buying the best gear, and pricing your services. But in this episode, we will be giving you all the tips that you need for client success, and we'll provide you with some tips that you can implement with your own clients. But before we get started, Kyle, why don't you hit us with a five-star review for today? Yes, sir. So for those of you who would like to win over $500 in prizes and be featured in our next episode, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to send us a screenshot at Learn Videography for your chance to win. But without further ado, our five-star review today came in from Kathy in Orange County, California. She said, I'm just starting to get into videography as a side passion of mine, and I've really enjoyed all of your episodes so far it really helps me figure out what steps i should take next with becoming a videographer thank you love it kathy thank you for submitting a review we really appreciate it yes Uh, yes. for all of you if you can leave us a review as well it helps a lot Uh, but without further ado let's get into our first topic for today which is just an overview of communication styles when working with your clients uh you know this is just a general rule of thumb of you know how you can go about reaching out to clients for the first time uh, and let's just start there, you know. So, uh, Kyle, when you're thinking about reaching out to a client for the first time, when you, or when you have been talking with a client, you know, how do you approach it? Is it is it an email thing? Is it a hop on a phone call? Is it I want to get uh, and meet in person kind of thing? Like, what is your favorite method here? Yeah. So, I mean, I I guess first and foremost, if it's localized to my area, you know, Orlando, then getting on the phone or getting uh, an in-person meeting is what I desire most of all. Um, having that personal contact, you get a lot better opportunity to really sell yourself and your services and and show the true passion behind your business and brand. But, you know, if it's outside the area, that, that first point of contact might be through email or messaging um, on social platforms, something like that. But again, the, the goal is to get them on the phone or in an in-person meeting that's where you're really going to win them over in that conversation and dialogue. Yeah, 100%. You know, I when reaching out to clients for the first time, I uh, usually start with an email. But in my first email, it's always like, hey, let me know if we can hop on a phone. Uh, it's just so we can get that communication started right away. Uh, and I think it's just way better on the phone. Uh, if you can do it in person, I think that's the best case scenario. Uh, and so let's talk about what that looks like when doing it in person. You know, like, Everything goes into play here, your clothing, your body language, you know, how you present <laughs> yourself, you yeah. know, and, and when you're meeting with this client for the first time, I think so much goes into that first appearance and making sure you stand out, you know, and some things that I love to do is, of course, I research my client, uh, you know, I already know what they look like uh, from researching them online, I have a quick background of what they are doing, what they have done, maybe what colleges they went to, uh, and also, you know, what they're doing now. Uh, and how they're positioning their business now to go forward. So that way, I feel like I have so much ammo to keep the conversation going during our first meeting. So it's really uh, seems like a good fit for each other. You know, Kyle, like what kind of clothing do you wear when reaching out or meeting with a client for the first time? You know, I I generally wear typically what I'd wear on set. So that's usually, you know, just some simple closed toed shoes, um, some blue jeans, and then I'm wearing either a plain black tee or I'm usually wearing something um, relative to the film community, whether that be like a a Tiffin branded shirt or a 4K shirt or or something like that. You know, I've I've got something that, again, just like screams that I I live and breathe what I do, Um, but I keep it relatively casual. Again, you know, I'm not trying to portray a false uh, sense of self. So I'm showing exactly who I am and how I'm going to show up to set and what they kind of get when when they hire me on um, for my services. 
Yeah, completely agree. I've seen, uh, you know, some people kind of go overkill here and they'll have like a suit or, you know, like uh, button down shirts and go really professional because they think that that's kind of where they need to go. But I think authenticity is really the tone that you want to set here. And I think you said it best where wear the clothes that you're going to wear on set, which hopefully is an example of your brand, uh, an example of, you know, the quality and the professionalism that you want to set forward on, you know, whether it's in-person meetings or on set. Uh, I personally, I just wear black jeans, a, a black industry jump t-shirt or a black, you know, filmmaking t-shirt. Uh, keep it simple, sleek, professional, um, and just, you know, really focus on communication styles with them where always looking them in the eyes, of course, uh, trying to keep the conversation casual and also not to rush completely into business. You know, like we've said this a lot, Kyle, like this is a dating process or yep. similar to the dating <laughs> process. You need to get to know each other. You need to know that you two can click, uh, you know, on a personal level, on a creative level. So don't rush that process. That first meeting is really about getting to know each other, asking where they came from, asking uh, you know, how they grew up, asking, you know, what, how they got to where they are today, asking them about their goals, really just trying to understand who they are and to let the client know that you care about one, who they are and two, where they're going and that you can help them get there. Um, but, you know, another thing that some videographers do and some videographers don't is uh, they may bring like an iPad to that first meeting uh, and include samples of videos that they like or whatnot. Where do you stand with that, Kyle? For me, yeah, I think that's super helpful. Quick, before we get to that, I have a couple uh, quick little other pointers I wanted to add there. So, um, you know, wearing um, not too crazy professional clothes, you know, I think there's there's a bright side to that as well, you know, dressing somewhat casual. Um, again, we want we want them to feel comfortable in this scenario. We won't want them to feel like it's a stiff, tight business meeting. We want them to feel relaxed and comfortable. And so I think that helps with that process as well. Um, also, you know, picking the location for the meeting, uh, as JJ, as you kind of mentioned, you know, this Ooh, is the beginning of the dating process, you know, so yep. keep it light, keep it casual. Maybe it's a sandwich shop or it's a coffee shop, but, you know, we're not taking them to a fine dining place or a dinner re reservation where we got to sit down for two hours in this first meeting. We want to, we want to keep it pretty light and casual. I'll, I'll give a quick example. You know, for me, I had a, a meeting to book a client, uh, for retainer. Now I didn't necessarily pick the location, but I chose my meal. And so this is something to keep in mind as well as, you know, I chose chicken wings and I just was not thinking that one through. So <laughs> I didn't even get to eat my lunch at all during this meeting because there's just, there's no way to look good eating chicken wings uh, in front of a client. So, um, just, okay. just bear all those things in mind. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually personally just actually purchased, uh, an iPad this year and I use that mainly for allowing my clients to view, um, video village, uh, just kind of an easier and cheaper way for them to have a great video village experience on set. But I actually bring it to meetings as well. And for me, that's, I really like that because it allows me to take notes. Um, again, as you kind of mentioned, it can, br I can bring out sample videos or I can go directly to my website. And oftentimes, you know, when you're traveling in the city or, you know, you're, you're going to a coffee shop or wherever you're going, you know, you don't want to carry a bunch of portfolios and, and binders and paperwork and all this just different stuff to write on and whatnot. So so I like having an iPad. Um, however, you know, I can see how some might find it uh, distracting. You know, it's just maybe you can kind of communicate or have that conversation with your client, you know, prior to kind of beginning that meeting, ask if, you know, if it bothers them, if, if you take notes during the meeting, um, just kind of making sure that they're aware that you're not, you know, your mind isn't elsewhere during this conversation. What's up, guys? It is time for our ad break of the day with our season-long sponsor. And who is that, Kyle? Epidemic Sound. Let's go. You already know. I mean, it's just one of our favorite resources for content creators. There's so many awesome things about it. One of the things that I love most is that for their commercial plan, it's just $50 a month, and you can use over 30,000 songs for all of your clients, whether it's a national campaign, whether it's a campaign on Instagram, it doesn't matter. You have unlimited ad spend. And Kyle, tell us about the and. And, you know, I want to mention the personal plan. This is perfect for anyone who's just getting started as a videographer. Not only do you have access to an incredible library of music 
but also sound effects. Money can be tight, the budgets can be low when you're first getting started. So having a platform that gives you an unlimited and accessible library of music and sound effects, what else do you need? What can you say? You just can't beat it. Plus, they have this feature called Find Similar, which is insanely helpful when you find one song for your video, but it's not quite perfect. So you just hit that Find Similar feature and boom, you have dozens and dozens of songs that are similar to that to make that process for your post workflow so much faster. You really can't go wrong with Epidemic Sound. And get this, Kyle, what happens after you cancel a subscription? Should you ever need to cancel a subscription with Epidemic Sound? Well, I don't know why you would ever do that, JJ, <laughs> but if you were to choose so, your content is still cleared. Your content is still cleared. There's, there's no copyright infringements or anything. Your content can still be out there on YouTube, commercial content, all of it. Guys, it's a no-brainer. And today, if you sign up using our link in our show notes or a link in bio on Instagram, you'll get a two-month free trial just to make sure that you see everything that they have to offer to get you up and running and to get the most value for your business. So show our friends at Epidemic Sound some love, head on over their way, sign up, get situated, and take your video business to the next level with Epidemic Sound. Yeah, dude, super pro tip on the food choice. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> I, I also really love to just pick my food ahead of time before I even get to the restaurant just so I know uh, what I'm getting so I don't have to look down at the menu and try to carry on that conversation at the same time, you know, so I like to just prepare in that way. I also, I mean, this is maybe too in-depth, but I just also like to carry my, myself with uh, professionalism at every step of the way. And so that just carries over into how I interact with the waiter and the waitress and the hostess and the people around me. And that's just something I try to do in, in everyday life. But, you know, remember their name, you know, be polite, ask questions, you know, let them know that you're a good person because people want to work with good people, Absolutely. you know, and that's contagious. So always just be a good person wherever you are, uh, whatever environment you're in. Uh, and I think that this is really the first step towards building that trust with your client really important to ask them, you know, questions about where they want to go with their company, what kind of success they're looking for, what success is to them, you know, and so you can just really have a good idea of the type of videos that would work well for the goals that they're trying to achieve. But let's move on here. So uh, we've had our either our first email, our first call, our first, um, you know, lunch or dinner session. After that, I always like to follow it up with an email of something like, hey, great meeting with you the other day. Really glad we took the time to do this. This is where I put all of my follow up from the meeting. So if we talked about a video, I'll insert it here. You know, per our conversation, here's that video that I really loved. I'm adding it here. Let me know your thoughts. You know, something to keep that conversation going in an organic, awesome, trustworthy way. You know, so I, I really love to do that. Do you have uh, to send a follow up, JJ? How important are follow ups? I think follow up is extremely important. And I, and I believe in follow-ups because it shows the type of company that you are in the sense of you're on it, you're organized, you're prepared. And I think people want to work with people like that. Absolutely. You know? And I think if you didn't follow up, it's really easy for the client to just keep going their own way and to not let you know if they're going to be working with you or not. You know, So I think that follow-up is a really helpful way of, all right, we've met. You know, uh, Here's following up from our meeting, uh, you know, and I'm on top of it. Now I'm opening the door for you to say, let's move forward. You know, let's get this video started and let's go into uh, discussing, you know, what that video looks like for the first time. You know, yeah. and, and one of our guests on our previous episode, Zach, he had a great story of why you need to discuss budget, you know, almost right away. You know, and his example was, hey, I talked with this client for weeks. We put together a project scope of what I'm going to be doing. Everything was perfect until I hit him with the budget. And, in, and then they just ghosted him. And I think this is a great example of knowing the budget that your client can operate in before you start to sell your client on everything under the moon. You know, so while budget is very sensitive and, it, and you have to approach it the right way, you need to know the scope of the project that the client is thinking about in order to set up the conversation to succeed later on. So Kyle, how do you approach budgets, you know, when talking with the clients? You know, how do you bring it up? Uh, and, you know, how do you go about, you know, walking that fine line? 
Yeah, I mean, I think as Zach kind of mentioned, you know, it's it's something that you just can't be scared to bring up. And I think at the end of the day, clients really, really appreciate that level of transparency, um, bluntness and, and professionalism of, of, you know, for me, uh, again, let's let's say we're, we're in a conversation, someone goes on my website and books a free consultation with me. So in, in the beginning of that consultation, you know, I'm going to first hear out, you know, who exactly they are, what their business is, what they do and why they came to us, right? So it's either they have a problem they need solved or they have maybe a particular product or something they're trying to push. For whatever reason, they need a video created. So first and foremost, I'm going to get a general overview, understanding of the video they're trying to create. And roughly from that, right, I can then formulate a rough estimate, a rough quote of what that's going to cost. And so I'll translate to them and say, you know, before we take any further steps or action here, you know, I want to be fully transparent. You know, my business, um, you know, we have a, a set going rate of blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for this project, I foresee you know, quote unquote, let's say, for example, I foresee this costing somewhere between four to $5,000. Now, if you're comfortable with that budget, I'd love to take further steps and we can set up a strategy session and start building out the paperwork. However, if that's something you're not comfortable with, I'd love to point you in the direction of some, you know, trusted individuals I love working with in the local area that could help you um, getting the product you want. And for me, that's an important process as well. This kind of goes back to some of our earlier episodes, but always kind of being that person that can solve their problem, being the one that can get them connected to the right person, um, that's always going to bring them back to you. Sometimes it can feel counterintuitive, but that, that's actually worked in my favor a lot of times. Um, they come to me, they can't afford me for maybe this particular project. I send them off to someone else. And when they have a bigger scale of project, they have a bigger budget, they come back to me for that project. Yeah. You know, I think the, the strategy that you're referencing, Kyle, is a strategy that I think bigger and more established companies can do. But I don't think everyone can do that at that point because uh, I think the other strategy that I would also recommend for those starting out, those that are more hungry, is uh, to ask them, you know, what kind of budget that they're working with right away, and to bring them through what that budget would look like, uh, you know, should you were to execute it. So, for example, you know, we're talking, and then I'd say, "Fantastic, you know, do you have a budget in mind for this type of video?" And they would say, "Yeah, you know, I'd really like to spend fifteen hundred dollars." And then I'd be like, okay, you know, for $1,500, that's, you know, probably a little bit lower than I normally work with, but I, I want to work with you. I want to establish this relationship with you. So this is what I think we can make happen at that range, you know, but if we were able to find maybe an extra 500, then we can get you, you know, this added component that might take this to the next level and help you achieve more goals. So yeah. I, I think that's a different strategy, you know, and I think the one you listed is like, hey, this is really strong for establishing a brand, establishing a baseline to let people know this is the quality you'll get. Uh, and and that's because that's the price is where it's at. But also for those younger videographers that are just starting out to let them know that, hey, this is more of a conversation. Uh, what is your budget? You know, let them say that number to you and then to work through that number with the client to let them know exactly what that budget can obtain or cannot obtain. And just be very clear and transparent. You do not want to over promise something that you can't deliver here. You know, if yep. a client comes to you and says, hey, I got $1,000. I want a drone, a steady cam up, and a, a mansion to shoot this music video. Then I, what I would say is, you <laughs> <No>. <laughs> know, that's a lot to ask. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say no right away, but what I am going to say is, listen, that is a lot. Normally, what we can get at this rate is you know a really nice home with uh, a couple of extras and i'll bring out my my uh glide cam or my ronin or whatnot and it, and it will look great and here's a video that will look like this at that level but if you're looking for these other things i'm gonna have to call up see if i can get some favors and if at the very least see if i can get discounts on what those would be and i'll let you know what kind of overages those would look like and see if that's something that you want to approve at that end you know so something to keep that conversation going to, to not say no, because you want to keep that going forward uh, in whatever way. But also, these are, you know, th these are clear expectations. You know, you're not just saying yes, and, and then you're unable to deliver it. It's, uh, you know, this is the expectation going forward. This is what we're normally able to do for this price range. Let me see if there's any favors that I can call in uh, and or and or get 
discounts for those favors. And then I'll let you know what that additional cost may be. And then that's up to you if you want to go for that way. But these are just hard costs on our side. And it's not like you're going to be able to get it much cheaper anywhere else. It's just you're asking you know, for a lot in this sense. Yeah. And JJ, I'm curious. Uh, that's a really great point you brought up there. I'm curious. What would you recommend to the videographers when they get that follow up question? I, I know you've, you've I'm sure you've gotten it before. You know, when 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 you get the question from a question with, you know, well, what what would you price me at or what, what are your rates? You know, so what what do you do as a videographer when you when you when you follow up to them with, you know, what, what are you working with budget wise or what are you willing to spend for this project? And they keep just asking for a rate or a quote is that a client that maybe you should steer away from or or how do you work that conversation if if they're kind of standing their ground you know i think that's a great question uh the way that i would approach it if if the client refused to give me a budget and just sent that question back to me then i would say well you know throughout this last year i've done maybe 10 videos at the five to seven thousand dollar range you know and, and here's all those videos that you can see and I've also done a couple of videos at this range. And then you can see these videos as well. And so I'm open to be, you know, doing videos in this budget range and just understand that whatever your budget is, we're going to make the most of it. But, you know, there's hard costs associated with this and we can only do so much at certain budget ranges, you know, so to let them know, hey, these are the videos that I've been working on. This is my past work, the quality that you've seen. This is the budget associated with that. Uh, and I am flexible, you know, if you are flexible, that's up to you. But I am flexible to continue talking about whatever that budget may be. But just know that, you know, $5,000, uh, even with everything that I'm bringing to the table, looks like this on the screen. And so if you're looking for, you know, a VMA worthy video, then we're just going to need to bump it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah, so absolutely. again, it's just an honest dialogue. It's transparency. It's really communicating. Uh, you don't want to yep. dodge anyone. You just need to communicate with them exactly. You know, uh, I think people understand that, hey, you've spent, you know, a lot of money on your camera. You spent a lot of uh, money on other stuff. You have business expenses. This is your business as well. And I think it's just very clear that, you know, I have this minimum rate. You know, I, I'm going to make so much happen for you, but it needs to come in at this minimum budget. And if you can't afford that, to your point, Kyle, no problem. Let me forward you to someone that can. He's more of a junior videographer. I always like using that reference of like, hey, he or she is more of a, a junior or just starting out or is, you know, looking to build portfolios. So they know that, hey, I'm I'm sending you down to someone that is also really great, but they're just at that lower level than me. And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal here, but I'm just trying to say if if you can't afford this budget, that's totally fine. I'm just not going to send you to uh, someone else that can undercut me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the it's just really, really communicating. I have like a, a prime example of that. I actually just had a recent client I booked um, and, and they were asking, you know, they had booked a, a full production day for eight, eight to up to 10 hours maximum, um, rough eight hours estimated. And they... They were asking, you know, well, would it be a discounted rate if we only ended up shooting for four hours, you know? And so we were just having that clear dialogue communication. I was saying, you know, actually, it might seem like that would be a discounted rate, but it, it won't be because you're paying not just for me, my skills and my experience and my services, but you're paying for all my equipment and my gear. And regardless, I'm reserving off the entire day and time slot for you. So I'm refusing all other business. And immediately she was, you know, just responding with, with the, oh, okay, great. No problem. Like, thanks for getting back to me and explaining everything. And she immediately signed the contract and sent over the invoice. So again, I think it just, it goes back to that, just having that upfront dialogue and really communicating things to your client. Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, and I think uh, putting a lot of the stuff in writing in a contract really kind of solidifies that. Uh, but you know, contracts are, they're tough as well. You can't rely on a contract to do everything for you because there's a lot of fine print. Your clients are busy. They may just sign it and not fully understand it. And so uh, if there's certain key points that are just, you know, big deal breakers for me, kind of like what you just pointed out, Kyle, of, hey, you signed this contract. If we work for less hours, that doesn't matter. You're still going to pay this contract. Things like that, I like to either emphasize really clearly in the contract by having it on a line of its own in the front and maybe emphasized with bold or underlined text, or I include it in the email that I'm including the contract for them to sign, you know, like really important points like that, that I want to emphasize. 
I just add, you know, that extra layer of communication there just so everyone understands. Um, another big thing for me is uh, when I need the money by in order to make this video. You know, I've had so many different clients in the music video world where we will sign a contract and I'll say, hey, first payment is due two weeks before production. So we can start to use this money to acquire everything that we need for production. And then that two weeks starts to slip by and, and then we're a week before production. And um, I still don't have that money in the bank. And so that gets to be a really tough situation. And there's actually been times with um, music videos where I didn't even have that first payment while the first day was approaching. Ooh. And uh, it was such a hard one, too. And it was also a uh, $35,000 music video that I had been planning for like two and a half weeks. Uh, and the client was way late on everything. Uh, and the day before, I was like, listen, I, we're not, I'm going to cancel this music video because you haven't made your first payment yet. I can't risk you not paying us and then ha me having to pay everyone else. And so, you know, that the day before the production, well, I, you know, the weeks before the production, I was sending them friendly emails. I was trying to get on the phone with them to communicate, hey, this payment is late uh, and we are not able to do these things because the payment is late. So, you know, adjust your expectations because of such uh, and to let you know, you know, if we don't get this payment, we're going to cancel this shoot. Um, and so actually what ended up happening was they they were communicating with me in the sense of we're going to get it to you. We're going to get it to you. And we're, we're sending it today. And they said that for like four or five days. You oh know? my gosh, man. Yeah. And so eventually uh, the, the morning of the production, man, I was so scared. I didn't know what to do because I had a 20 person crew. I had this location and everything. Uh, and I was like, listen, we're not starting this production until you arrive on set and you sign this contract and give me the first payment. And fortunately, she arrived on set. She signed the contract, handed over the check, and we started the day. That is still a very bad scenario that you want to get into uh, as a videographer. I mean, what if that check bounced? You know, stuff like that. So, um, what I'm I'm telling you this story because things can get slippery. You know, especially in the music video world and and clients that are really busy. You know, they might have paid you, but it never went through, and so all those sort of things. And so it's just really important for you to keep your finger on the pulse there, to keep communicating through this process, keep letting clients know like, hey, this is what we need. And since it's not being met, you know, expectations are being adjusted. So it's a really tough situation, uh, especially when you're trying to deliver a fantastic video for this client to keep this client in for the long run. So you need to have that balance of great communication, finesse, um, and just being friendly throughout all of these outreach so it doesn't turn into a situation where it's like, I'm never working with this client again, or this is the worst client, or they leave you a bad review. Like, you need to avoid that at all, Batchers. Be a professional throughout the process. I might have gotten a little bit ahead with this, Kyle. Um, so I, I do want to stay on the pre-production concept of communicating through pre-production. Uh, you know, I think contracts, which is where I was just talking about, is a step of that, uh, you know. Also, how does the creative concept work for you? You know, let's say, for example, the client comes to you and says, hey, I got a video I want to shoot in two weeks. Put together a treatment, send it my way. You do that. You send it over in a couple of days. They, they take like five days to get back to you. And then all of a sudden, you're a week before, you know, your production, you still don't have a creative concept approved. You know, how do you go about handling this creative concept and building in, you know, ample time for you to turn around the video uh, with your clients, Kyle? Man, yeah, that can be that can be a difficult situation to be in. Uh, you know, ideally, I hope at that point that I built enough trust and rapport with the client that they trust me to kind of take things for the most part, uh, you know, kind of take the bull by the horns and just somewhat keep them in the loop. Um, so that's generally how my process and workflow goes. So I'm going to be kind of developing when it, when we're dealing with such a short deadline between pre-production and production day. Um, I'm generally kind of taking things for the most part full bore myself, and then I'll kind of do a daily update. So at the end of the day, I'll kind of update them on, or, you know, every two to three days, I'll update where I'm at in the process, what things have we acquired, what 
what are we still missing in regards to crew or props, etc. Um, however, if we have more of a time period um, than that, let's say we've got two weeks or more out from our production day, I love allowing the clients to be a part of the process. So again, earlier in this episode, I mentioned a strategy session. So this is where I'll hop on the phone with them or have an in-person meeting and I'll have them do a little bit of homework. So I'll have them do some research and come to the meeting with some different videos as well as some photos. So kind of building out their own version of like a mood board and sample content so I can get a better idea and understanding of their vision, what they want to see and all that kind of stuff. And then I can begin translating that to what actual lighting equipment will need what cameras we want to use the crew that it's going to require etc i like that a lot how do you approach calendars or or scheduling with your clients Uh, personally what i like to do is as soon as we get that shoot in the books i'll send out shared uh invites on their calendar so we have our shoot dates (laughs) we have our you know our calls we have our rough cuts our fine cuts our final cuts i like to put all that in a shared calendar and just to share that with the client and, and all of our team members so everyone is on the same page is that's something you do as well. Yep. Yeah. So I do that. And then I'll also do like, uh, notes. Um, a lot of people tend to have, uh, Apple iPhones as well. So I'll do like a notes and I'll share on notes as well. So that'll have, um, continuous kind of updates, um, on there. And then we'll generally do uh, a group text as well, just because there are, there always tends to be one or two people that are Android or something like that. Love it. I think one last thing here is just organization. You know, another thing that I love to do is uh, create like a central Google folder or um, Dropbox folder and say, hey, here is, you know, our folder where our contract is in, our, our mood boards, our scripts, uh, the, the final music file, if it's a music video, uh, and kind of have everything there. And then, you know, whenever I upload a cut, maybe I'll put it there or whatnot. So kind of have that organization. Uh, moving forward into the shoot day. Uh, but before we get there, what does your call sheet process look like? I know with the smaller videos, a lot of people just send out like informational emails, which I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, also, call sheets are very helpful for bigger crews. Uh, but let's say we're at that five person crew or under. What does that look like for you, Kyle? Yeah, so five five crew or under, this is kind of, uh, you know, this is where um, that, that note sheet comes in and uh, using the notes app for Apple. So, you know, I'm not going to, to, to be fully honest and transparent unless I'm dealing with like nine to 10 people or more. I'm not building out, quote unquote, like a, a real or full call sheet. Um, so I'll build it out on notes. Again, I'll list cast, I'll list crew, put location, I'll put times um, and then... Uh, any other information that's kind of needed on their break, all that different kind of stuff. And then what I'll do is, again, we'll have a group message. So I'll communicate in the group message and I'll just say update or um, location change. So I'll put very short and brief text in there and they'll, they'll know to reference the notes app, which will have all the actual detailed information and updates in there. So if it's a smaller crew, that's generally how I, I operate and kind of work with uh, building out a call sheet. Again, I'll send it out in email as well. But uh, if it's a larger scale, then I'll build out like an actual full call sheet and we'll do uh, we'll do send outs the day before, week before. Um, and then again, if there's any shifts or changes, we'll send those up updates out as well. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, what's important here is that you have a system that works for yourself. You know, uh, find something that you're, you feel confident in, find something that is uh, the quality that that goes to the quality of your brand that you want to carry it forward with, you know, the professionalism that you carry. Um, you know, what I personally like to do is for these smaller five person or under uh, productions, I'll send out just a crew email and it will just include call time, location, uh, when we're breaking for lunch, um, and also parking requirements. And then I also ask uh, if I had not already, if anyone has dietary restrictions to let me know. Right, uh, and right. then I like to send a separate email just to the talent. And so if I have a couple different talent members, I'll send each one an in- individual email. And that email will include their call time, uh, where and who they're reporting to once they get the set, uh, any specific instructions that uh, of parking, wardrobe to wear, clothes to bring, stuff like that. And I try to get these emails out about 36 hours to 48 hours in advance. Uh, sometimes, especially if you're asking uh, the client to bring clothes or whatnot, if you hit them with a message the night before, it's just you can't expect them to follow through there. So I like to give them ample notice that, hey, 
uh, expect, uh, you know, this informational email to come about, you know, a day or two before the production. Uh, so that I think really gets us to uh, the, the shooting day smooth uh, with everything taken care of uh, and we're ready to have a great day on set. Um, so I think this is huge. Uh, why don't we go on to uh, communication for the shooting day, Kyle, and talk about kind of how we like to approach that uh, quickly here and then we'll get into deadlines and turnaround times. Yeah, yeah. JJ, I would love to know how do you handle a situation on set when you're dealing with a client that wants to take over? Like, what what do you do when the client thinks that they're the one in charge? That they're the director. Yep. Yeah, that's so hard. Um, you know, it, it's a really de- delicate balance. Uh, and I think it always comes down to the fact that, you know, the customer is always right. Yep. But there's a there's a big fine print there. So here's the thing. If it gets to a point where it's like this client is taking control and it's to the point where I don't want to work with this client again because this is just not healthy, then what I will let them do is I will let them take control and I will, you know, echo, you know, what they're trying to say and make sure our crew is up to speed and try to get exactly what they want to be delivered on set so they have a great experience with me and so they get the product that they really want. But I I will just know that going forward that I either won't work with that client again or I'm going to charge that client a lot more money because that's not the way I work or prefer to work or like to run my sets. You know, so I think it's understanding, hey, this person is paying for this project, so I'm going to get them exactly what they want. And I'm not going to be salty about it, even though it's not the way I want to run this thing. But going forward, I'm just probably not going to work with them because that's not the way I like it. Um, yeah. Kyle, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's it's very similar. Um, for me, what I like to do again, and this is where I think Video Village comes in hand a lot. So yeah, put them in the corner. <laughs> yeah, so lock them. I, I like to lock them in Video Village. And again, depending upon the crew and size, um, what I'll do is if I have kind of a creative director with me or if I have my line producer with me and I think I can handle things um, regarding their position, I can kind of take some of the tasks from their end. I'll kind of leave them to hang out directly with that talent. And so I hate putting it this way, but they're almost kind of like a babysitter in the sense that they're going to be there to hear out and support, you know, everything that the client wants to see. And I'm going to have them then kind of translate and bring that information to me. So it allows the client to know that their voice and their opinion is being heard, but it's being done in a way that it'll allow the production to move as fast and efficiently as possible. So what I'll kind of communicate to them is that, Hey, you know, I, I really appreciate your insight um, and your advice and, and you know, that, that you want to get these shots as as best as possible um but you know it's it's really affecting our production time at, at, at this point you know would you mind communicating directly with my creative director herb um and, and translate and he'll translate everything that you want to see or change or alter to us so we can get it done in a more efficient manner and you know nine times out of ten the client is totally okay with that at times you do have the client that just they, they want to be right there next to you the entire time and and sometimes as you know as jj mentioned the the client's always right so sometimes you just kind of have to push through it go back home and, and yeah. really have that that dialogue with yourself of you know is this someone that I want to continue working with or is this paycheck worth you know kind of dealing with the stress and anxiety that comes with this client yeah one thing I want to point out before we move on is uh you know there's also a time where you can say listen I need to get these shots so I can deliver this video for you and if they are suggesting hey let's go get this other shadow let's go do this you just be frank with them and be like, listen, I need to finish off these shots so I can actually deliver you a final video that can deliver results for you. I would love to get the shots that you're suggesting, but I can't get them at the moment. So why don't I finish off this video as we both creatively agreed on? I will ensure that you get the video that you need to get results. And then any leftover time, we can go and get your shots. Or if you want to pay for like an hour of overtime, we can get those shots as well. You know, so just to let them know, hey, you are there doing them a favor. You have their back and you are following through with your plan for them. But you are still open to getting those additional shots after you accomplish your plan. So you know that you have that video that you can deliver and that you are satisfying their original agreement. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, you know, another thing that I love to do on set is provide printouts of whether it's a shot list, uh, shooting schedule, uh, locations or anything like that, just to let them know, hey, here is what we agreed upon. Here is our goal and our, our schedule for today. This is what we're going to stick to. So um, I just love to have that printed out. And I try to always have it kind of ready on their director's chair or their client waiting room. I just try to present it in a way where hey, welcome to set. Here's all your material for a successful shooting day ahead. Uh, let's get started kind of thing. Kyle, how do you approach this? Yeah, yeah, exact same way. So anytime we've got a, a shot list or even just a storyboard, I love printing that out. Again, the more you can make the client feel like they are a part of the process, they have a role, they have a say, the more enjoyable that experience is going to be for them. And the experience is, you know, 50, 60% of it. Sometimes it's, it's more important than the actual final product is just the experience they have on set. So that's huge. And again, I think it's really, really good good for not just the client, but the team overall as well, really understanding where we stand, you know, so if we've got a, a 50 piece shot list, and, you know, we've only got four hours left in our production day, and we still have 30 shots to get that's a major problem. So that needs to that needs to be known, everyone needs to to be aware of that. So we're moving a lot more, a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently. So you know, I think yeah. it, it's, it's just really, really beneficial. And again, keeping that client in the loop on everything. So they know exactly what's going on it's going to give them that that sense of security and comfort on set they're not going to be stressed or anxious at all yeah another thing that you need to keep your eye on is how your crew communicates with your client you know there are a lot of situations that i've been in where maybe a gaffer was trying to rush a light to set because we're moving really quickly and he's just trying to do his job and maybe the client may have gotten in the way of him running that light to set and he kind of or she kind of you know like Rumbled at them, you know, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. You know, it's it's really difficult because the crew they have a job to do, but you also understand that hey, this is our client. We gotta always treat them respectfully, like we treat anyone else, you know. And so you need to make sure that you're bringing crew with you that understands that, that communicates the same way that you would to your crew members and to your clients and whatnot. And so that just goes with picking your team, making sure that you have a team that is carrying professionalism across every step of the production process to make sure that your client is just so happy with you, your crew. Um, you know, one last thing that I want to add in here is say you have a client that is actually quiet is, is they don't really, maybe this is the first production. They don't really know, you know, what's going on. They're just behind video village. They're loving it. They're smiling, uh, but they're not really suggesting anything. Sometimes I do like to go over there and say, Hey, I just got what I needed in that take is there anything that you want to try? You know, we could try it in one take and just yep. let them know, hey, you have a voice. You're part of this process. We're doing this for you and everything is going great. I got what I needed. Do you want to suggest one thing? You know, and so I, I love inviting them into the creative process when it's appropriate. Uh, and so I think that goes a long way as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally agree. That's that's a, a great, great, uh, great piece to do in there. Awesome. So let's uh, keep on going on with, okay, all right, we finished our shoot day here and now we're going into pro, uh, post-production. Uh, since you already kind of have a contract in place, you already know what that uh, rough uh, cut deadline is. So you don't really need to inform them of anything in the sense of, hey, here's the deadline. It's more of line, along the lines of, hey, you know, great shoot today. Uh, you know, per our contract, we aim to have a rough cut version to you uh, at this date. Uh, I'll keep uh, in touch with you. I'll send you any notes if anything comes up. But otherwise, you know, expect to hear from us then. You know, so I love to have that email sent or that call sent after our production day just to thank them for a, a very successful production and to let them know when they can expect that first cut uh, via the contract that you guys agreed upon. Yep, yep. Um, and for the first cut, Kyle, like what level of a cut do you provide them? You know, I, we have the Jacob Owens level where that first cut is nearly final. And then we have uh, another level where that first cut is very much a rough cut and, and it's a, and there's a lot to still be worked on, you know, where, how do you like to approach this Kyle? Yeah. So I guess first and foremost, I would like to talk about 
invoicing? Because I feel like I get that question a lot from, um, you know, up and coming videographers, people are just getting started in their career. So my process, so I, I require a 50% deposit upfront and a signed contract that locks in the production day and begins the process with the client. And then I require the other 50%. This is dependent upon production. If it's a huge production, that means I'm investing a lot um, from my business uh, on, the, on the front end to cover expenses um, generally. So I'll then require the other 50% after the day of production. But for the most part, I actually something I like to do. And I think this just makes the clients feel a bit more ease, it puts more trust in our relationship is so I'll require the other 50% not after the day of production, but um, upon delivery for the rough cut. So what's what's kind of cool about that is the second that they pay that invoice, I've got the rough cut uploaded and on Dropbox. So I send them an, an immediate link. And so it's kind of that it fits perfectly with today's day and age, right? It's that instant gratification. They're like, boom, as, as, as soon as they, they pay me, they, they get their, their prize and their delivery. And so this also now in regards to the rough cut, this kind of, again, depends on the scale of the, the project. So if it was, let's say, um, to give it, to give context, if I just shot a music video, like I just shot a music video called, uh, don't forsake me, uh, by Clavon Don in Atlanta. So the rough cut I send him was like pretty much a, a finalized video, a Jacob Owens version, right? So this was a final video. I, I created it, um, put all the color on there, color graded, color corrected, all that, all that jazz. And so, you know, he would just come back to me with a couple changes, maybe a little, uh, a revision here or there, right. Substituting a couple clips out, swapping them with something else. But I've got, for instance, another commercial project that I haven't even begun editing with, um, Jeremiah's ice, which is a, a commercial company down here. It's a franchisee, uh, branding video. We did two days of production. Um, we'll actually have a third day of production that, that also kind of plays a role into it, but you know, we've got over two hours of of just interviews alone. That's not even considering B-roll. And so I could go into that and I could try and create this entire edit and final product. And then it could be like, whoa, these aren't even the right talking points, Kyle. Like it's not even focused on what we want it to be focused on. So it depends on the scale of the project. Um, you know, if I'm doing something with a ton of sit down interviews, something that might be more of like a documentary or um, an internal video for a brand or business or similar to Jeremiah's, like a big branding franchisee push, um, something like that, I'm going to work more directly with the client. So I might schedule out a specific editing day with them or a couple hours with them. Or sometimes I might hand them off some of the footage and say, you know, hey, if you want, um, you know, if you want to pick out the specific talking points, or if you want to tell me who you feel talks about, blah, 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 um, or your business or this particular process within your business, the best, you know, I'll make sure to utilize them. So again, you know, it's sometimes it's considering maybe the client really wants to be a part of the process. Like some of them want to sit in at all the edits. They want to make sure they see all the footage that's possible to use. And then there's clients that you have, I'm sure you guys have even gotten them yourselves, you know, that they, they don't even care to see or be a part of the process. They just want their final video. So I think part of it is just yeah. also reading out your client, you know, like during that process, during the pre-production, during the production, like, again, you're constant, you should be constantly learning more and more information about who they are, what they're comfortable with, their workflow, all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, it's a strategy and it, and it really comes down to your client. You know, there are are some clients that know exactly what they want. And for those types of clients, I might not suggest delivering a first cut that is near perfect because that might not be exactly what they want. And you might nope. have to go back and do a lot of work. So it really depends on the, the client that you're working with. Um, but I, I, whenever possible, I do like to deliver that rough cut as close to a final cut as possible because a lot of the clients, I think the majority of clients have a hard time visualizing what that rough cut could look like at a final cut with coloring yep. and effects and sound design, et cetera. And so they might be really disappointed or underwhelmed with that first cut because they can't envision that final cut. So I think it's really important to your point, Kyle, understand your clients, understand who you're working with, let them know that uh, you can deliver however is best for them you and, know, and, and to make that happen. And JJ, how do you personally under promise and over deliver with your clients? How do you how do you make sure that 
after the production day, because that's generally the most exciting, the most invigorating and fun part, right? So after that, how do you how do you keep building off of that momentum? What do you do? And while you know, you're waiting for they're they're waiting for their final product. And what do you do upon delivery? Like, how do you make that an experience of its own? Yeah, I this is a good question. And there's a lot of things that you can do here. I'm just going to name two of them. Uh, but it totally up to you. The first thing that I like to do is the day after or two days after, I like to send them that follow up, thank them for a great production. And I'll include some stills in there of like, hey, here are some of the frames we captured that maybe I love that would get me super excited. So the client can see, oh, shoot, this is going to be dope. You know? Yeah. Another thing that a lot of videographers are doing or they're cutting kind of like a teaser that they also throw on uh, Instagram before they even release the video. And this is a lot of extra work. You know, it requires that that extra cut essentially. But if you did want to super stoke out this client and hit them with, you know, like a teaser of like 10, 15 seconds of what the video may look like that they can use to start promoting on Instagram and whatnot, I think that can go a long way as well. But the big thing here with under-promising and over-delivering is just making sure that you're hitting that deadline and you're even hitting it before the deadline hits. So when I approach contracting and scheduling, I always like to put in a good buffer, especially on that first cut. And so, uh, you know, say the production is uh, August 1st. Normally, I like to say I'll get you a cut 10 to 14 days after that, and I'll strive for five to seven days. You know, but I need to have that buffer on my side just to make sure that I'm not going to let my client down. I'm o- I'm going to over deliver and they actually make them really excited. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And what do you do if you've, uh, you know, I- I'm sure you've had a scenario like this. You know, I definitely have myself. So, so if you haven't, I'd be happy to speak on it. But have you had a personal experience where you're pushing towards the end of the deadline? What What do you do? How do you communicate with the client when you're starting to reach past your deadline? Maybe you did, you over, you over promised, you, you've gotten booked up by too many gigs and you're just not going to make that deadline with the final product. You know, it's a really difficult conversation, but that's where communication really comes in. I think what you need to do is you need to be in touch with your client, maybe even get them on the phone and say, Hey, listen, we got this great thing that's coming together. It's just, it's taking a little bit more time to piece it than we thought. There's a lot of complexity here. I can send you a cut at this deadline, but it's just not going to be the final cut that we want. Or I can just, if you give me a couple of extra days, I'll get you that final cut. Let them know that you are their first priority, that you are just working super hard to deliver this for you. And that's why it's taking a little bit extra. It's just because you're putting a lot of extra love and care into it. And I think it's really hard for a client to say no to that of, no, I need this deadline here and I don't need extra love. It's So you're kind of like setting them up for, yes, that's fine kind of thing. But there's also situations where your client actually needs to deliver on that day because maybe a a product launch and whatnot. So it's really important for you to understand the position that your client is in. If the client really needs to put that video out because that video is dependent upon launching a new song, launching, you know, a real estate client, whatever, then you really need to deliver that. You stay up all night, you do whatever you can to, to make that happen. But if they are flexible and, you know, they are uh, willing to work with you, let them know like, hey, this is just taking a couple of extra days. We're putting super love into this. It's going to be so fire. Is it okay if we take an extra couple of days and give them that, you know, decision to make on their side? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. So let's get into communication tips for when you are in between projects with a client. So in this ooh, scenario, you you finished a project, you delivered a banger for a client, they distributed it, you sent them massive amounts of love to that final video, you made sure that it was as much of a success for them as possible, and now you are waiting on your next video with this client. So during this time frame, it can get a little scary because you don't know if they're going to reach back out to you, you don't know when they're going to need the video, and this is just so important that you need to stay in touch with your client during this time and you also don't rush your client during this time. You know, some clients, maybe they just need a, well, a one video every year. Some might need one every month. It's up to you to figure out the number of videos that your client needs and then to use that knowledge to put into your outreach strategy here. So one thing that I just love to do, Kyle, is I love to build a monthly newsletter and I add all of my clients to that newsletter and even prospective clients of, hey guys, this is what I did in the month of July. These are the videos that I worked on. 
maybe this is a blog article that I wrote, or these are social media posts that I did. Anything to show that one, you are an expert, two, that you were working, three, that you are making phenomenal videos, and four, and the most important, that your videos are getting results. So I think it's so important to have some type of monthly communication with your clients that are in between projects with you to let them know that you're there, you're still banging it out for so many other clients, delivering those results, and that you are ready to continue working with them once they are ready. Yeah, man, I, I love I love some of those those techniques. Um, you know, I definitely could go the route of a newsletter and, and definitely need to I don't, I don't go to that extent. But yeah, I'm constantly um, sending a bit, bit of strategized uh, call to action links. Um, so I'll build out some square paste pages, and I'll update those with new videos. Um, and I've kind of got built out templates. So I just, you know, sub out the new videos whenever they come along and I'll send those out uh, to prospective clients or, you know, current clients that maybe I haven't worked with in, in the last couple of months, but would like to do something again. Yeah, you know, I think uh, another great outreach strategy here for in between projects is uh, if you stumble upon a resource that would be really helpful to one of your clients, send it to them, let them know that you're thinking of them, let them know that, hey, I'm here to help you, whether we're making a video or not, you know, that I can add value to you in other ways than making videos. So if there is a friendly connection that you think would benefit your client, make that connection, maybe ask first if you can make that connection. And then if so, make that connection for the client. So just understanding that, hey, you know, just because we made one video doesn't mean we stop talking to each other. This is a business relationship. Let's keep going forward and help each other mutually on a business perspective. And so whether it's sending over things that are of interest to the client, making introductions, sending helpful resources, uh, staying in touch with them just to let them know that, hey, you are their video person and you can help them out to grow their business going forward whether they're working with you for a video currently or they will in the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. 100% man. Yeah. You just need to be invested in their business. You need to let them know that you are there to help them succeed. And that goes so far with building trust with, uh, getting them to want to recommend you to other clients, which we're yep, just about yep. to talk about. And so, um, actually, why don't we use that as a segue to get into how to leverage your clients to get more clients? You know, and I think there's there's so much that goes into this, but there's really three things that I, I want you guys to walk away with that you can start to implement with your clients. Um, so first off, knowing that clients are your best marketing tools. You know, if you listen to all of our guests, all of our successful examples, they will tell you that word of mouth referrals has been their number one way to get jobs. You know, yep. like it takes a while to build up. It's really hard, but being referred from their clients and other filmmakers is the number one way to get jobs. And so understanding that you need to understand that your client is your best chance of getting your next client and to getting more work. And so that's why we talk about always being professional, always delivering exceptional satisfaction at every step, always being a clear communicator because your current job with this client is an application for your next job with the client and an application for any referrals that they may send your yep. way. And so you need to just stoke them out every step of the way. And it starts with letting your client know that they are your number one priority, that they're never being put on the shelf, that they're never being uh, on second place to you know maybe a bigger paying client. You got to treat every client like a superstar. But the first step that I want to give you all of how to leverage your clients to get more clients is always ask your clients for a testimonial that you can use in marketing. Now, when you ask for this testimonial, it depends on what you're comfortable with. Maybe it's after the first video that you completed. Maybe it's after the sixth video that you completed. But either way, you need to ask them for a testimonial because this goes so far with building trust with potential clients going forward. Right. So you add this testimonial to your newsletter, you add these testimonials to your website, you add this to your industry jump portfolio, your Yelp profile, your you advertise on Instagram. You do everything that you can to let everyone know that, hey, I got clients and they love me and they're talking about me and they're sharing their experience with me. So that's just the first step that I strongly recommend for you. Kyle, do you use testimonials at all in your business yet? 
Yeah, yeah. I love using testimonials. And I'll actually what I'll do is I'll incentivize them a bit as well. And so what I'll do is I'll ask them to leave a review on my Facebook page, my Google page, and then send a video testimonial. And if they do all three, then I promise to send them usually it's like a $15 worth uh, e card to Starbucks, or sometimes it's just a I'll, I'll make it like just a generic e visa card so they can kind of use it almost anywhere. And so again, it, it just kind of gives that extra emphasis again of of making sure that they feel special and important and you know no one likes to get asked um no one's in love with the idea of leaving a testimonial having to take time out of their day to do it so if you can incentivize it or give further benefit to do it i think that's always helpful as well i think the second thing that i want to point out is and i've already kind of elaborated on it earlier but letting your client know that you have their back you know before you ask them for them to refer you you got to Give them additional value. You gotta, you know, send them additional resources. Make connections for them. Make it a two-way street. So it's not just you asking for everything. It's you providing value both ways. So again, if you can send them resources, if you can send them mutual connections, if you can help them in any way, let them know that you are there to do that in between projects uh, while you're waiting for your next project with them. And three, the final one and the biggest one is to create some kind of program with your clients where if they refer you to a new client, you'll give them a certain amount of money off on their next production with you. So for example, if I'm working on $5,000 music videos, what I would love to do is I would go to that artist and say, listen, I'm looking to build my company. If you connect me with artists that work with me in the future, I'll give you $500 off on your next video for each artist that you connect me with. And so if you connect me with five artists, I'll, you know, I'll throw you $2,500 off your next video and pretty much make your next video for you for free. So to get them involved in growing your business and to really throw them something back on the backside of like, hey, just shoot out some messages to some of your artist friends, let them know that I exist, that I can deliver for them. And I will come through for you and I will make you a free video. I'll make you a super cheap video. And I've seen that go so far with people trying to grow their businesses. Uh, and and it's, it's something that you have to approach cautiously. You can't just normally do it after your first video. You got to have that relationship with them where it's like, hey, I've been knocking this out for you for a while now. Uh, you know, we're doing great things together. If you can help me grow and build, you know, I'm always going to help you grow and build as well. But I will really give you a kickback on that as well. Um, so I don't know if you've done this yet, Kyle, or not, but it's definitely a strategy that I've seen work really well for videographers and even other businesses in the past. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, being being fully transparent here, I've never tried that method, um, but I really I really like it. I guess my my only concern and, and I'm curious, you know, JJ, what your thoughts are on this would be, would you always recommend a specific figure in regards to like 500 or 200 dollars? Because the scale of projects could always change, you know, so I feel like at sometimes it could maybe like screw you over at some points because, you know, if it's like you offer $500 off the next video and what if the next video is they just want like a, a 30 second promo piece or something? You know, it's so like me, yeah. I feel like I feel like maybe it's percentage if I was to do it, yeah. but but that's just me, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it comes down to the type of client you have and the relationship you have with that client, you know, and if you've banged out three or four videos at, you know, the five thousand dollar mark for this client, then I then I would feel comfortable personally saying, Hey, I'll give you five hundred dollars off your next one or even a thousand dollars off your next one. Uh essentially I'm willing to do a video for you for free if you get me more clients. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's kind of like how I like to break it down because uh, one, I'm stoking out this client because he's going to get a video for cheaper or free. And then two, I'm getting new clients that I wouldn't have had otherwise that will lead to hopefully years more of work. And so this is not where I get cheap. This is where I actually go bigger and say, hey, I will give you a major kickback if you help me grow this thing. Uh, but again, it's something that you have to proceed with when you feel comfortable, when it's right with your client. Uh, but it definitely is a really strong tactic. And Kyle, I would love for you to actually try this and report back. Uh, if it ever comes your way where you have a client where this may work with, I think it'd be really cool to see how, you know, a company like you that's really established uh, handles something like this and if it is successful for them or not. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested, especially um, I just I think it's 
you're kind of walking on lily pads, you know, if, if uh, with, with corporate or commercial. So I think I would love to test this out with a corporate or commercial client. Um, maybe shoot another, I got a couple, I think this would, would maybe work well for us. So let me, sh- maybe shoot a, another two or three videos for them and I'll report back with, uh, with the, uh, <laughs> with what happens for y'all. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's get into our question of the day. Today's question is from Tommy Jackson from Chicago. And for those of you who would also like to submit a question that we will answer, just send us a message on our Instagram at Learn Videography and include your name, location, and question. But for now, let's get into Tommy's question of the day. My name is Tommy Jackson. I'm based out of Chicago. My question is, after working with a verified artist, how can I continue my momentum of working with high-end clients? Hey, Tommy, appreciate your question. Nice. Great question. Uh, I know Tommy just recently created a video for an awesome artist. And actually, side note, Tommy Jackson is one of the highest ranked members on Industry Jump. So huge props to you there. I think, think, Tommy, you've made over 90 music videos now. So you are crushing it. Um, To answer your question, though, how do you continue working with A-list artists? You know, I think the first part is stoking out that initial artist delivering a video that gets results, you know, trying to have that artist include you in the credit every step of the way. So if they post it to the socials, try and have them add you as some type of creative or like the director behind the project. So people can find you that follow them. Uh, Also see if they will give you a testimony that you can use for future stuff. Uh, Maybe that's, you know, an email testimony, or even if that's just in between takes on set, ask them if you can record a video testimony of like, Hey, you know, can you shout me out, you know, in this whatnot? And so you can use that for video marketing. And I think a good example of this is what Matt Alonso has done is, you know, all the artists that he's worked with, he's always asked for those artists to kind of shout him out while on set making that production. So then he can use for marketing material later on. And he's a really strong, successful example of how that can pay off dividends in the long run. So definitely stoking out your client, leveraging their testimony to get more clients. And then I think the final part to this uh, question, Tommy, is you want to proactively outreach to artists that are like this artist or that are trying to be like this artist. Reach out to them and say, hey, I just made this video for this artist. We got this many views. It was a really big success. I would love to do something like this for you as well. Let me know. And I think that is the step that a lot of creators don't take. And I think that's also the step that you need to take in order to leverage that one artist to get more artists like them. Kyle, am I missing anything here? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't have anything to add except uh, I'll just give a little short story. So a uh, good buddy of mine, uh, I think I might've shared this on an earlier episode, so I'm going to try and keep it really short, but uh, name is Danny Gewertz. Um, he's based up in Philadelphia and he, anyway, about four, I would say four or five years ago, something like that. Um, he got an opportunity to go out to California and film Odell Beckham Jr. at a training session. And so he went out, yeah. filmed him at this training session uh made a, a dope cut up sent it uh, to oj uh beckham jr asked him if you know if, uh Odo beckham jr if he wanted to use it um he loved the video he was like hell yeah so he posted it um on his page and tagged him and all of a sudden danny got flooded with inquiries from sports businesses um athletic apparel brands and ath- other athletes themselves professional athletes asking him you know what were his rates where was he based what kind of video essentially he just got a, a shit ton of clients just for making this one video um, for OBJ. So just kind of keep, keep those things in mind and, and really understand, you know, it, it, it could take just that one client or that one person to change the game for you entirely. It can change everything for you and your business. Yeah. And, and when you're working with these A-list clients, understand the power that they could have for you and try to make those situations happen, whether you're recording that testimony on set or you're getting pictures with them on the set, you know, think about this ahead of time so you can set yourself up for success with marketing that video afterwards. But Kyle, I think that's it for today. It's another doozy of an episode. I hope all of these tips will help you guys land more clients, keep your current clients happy, and have your clients help you get more clients. So in our next episode, we will be talking through all of the resources that you need as a videographer, like software, apps, music, sound effects, Uh, any kind of gear that we may have left out to help you succeed in your videography business. 
of course it's going to be a doozy. It's going to be jam-packed with pro, pro tips, so you don't want to miss that. But otherwise, you can follow us at Instagram, at Learn Videography, and at Industry Jump, along with myself at JJ Angler and Kyle at Cal Visuals. Also, make sure you check out Industry Jump and make a free video portfolio if you haven't already. Get on it's there. The best place to gain more exposure, apply to jobs, and work with mentors. Other than that, this is Learn Videography signing out. Kyle, great episode. Yes, Love sir. It, man.